Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Apollosis. Are you guys excited about today? Have you ex- enjoyed our series, Crosswords? Well, I tell you, in this series, we're also collaborating with the Lafayette campus, and Pastor Jacob has been preaching that uh, message as well at that campus. And we're, I'm just letting you know, it's really touched me when Pastor Eugene, who's our campus pastor, our lead pastor, uh, was preaching on forgiveness. And I'm sure that everybody here who heard those messages on forgiveness, I'm sure it had, it resonated something in you. Because there are sometimes you don't want to forgive. There are sometimes things seem to be hard to forgive. In fact, I was looking at an ABC program 2020 the other night, and it was a young lady who coerced her lover to kill her husband. And her husband's family member said, she deserves to die. She deserves to be in hell. And what I would say, we all deserve to be in hell. And then she also said, there are some sins that would never be forgiven. And I would have to disagree with her because sometimes in this room, there are some people who feel that some of their sins will never be forgiven because of what you've done. And you're holding on to that guilt and shame. And I want to let you know that because of what Christ did on the cross, you are free. For those who believe in him, you are free. And I think I said that because I believe someone needs to hear that word this morning. As you're coming in, you may have had your head down, your shoulders slumped, but hopefully after this message, you'll have your head raised. And after this message, you'll have some hope because what Jesus did for us on the cross. So what I just mentioned is that we're in week three of the sermon series, Crossroads. For those of you who are here for the first time, I'm Pastor Myron. I'm the associate pastor here at this campus. And as I mentioned, Pastor Eugene and Miss Heidi, uh, they are our lead pastors. And they're at the New Iberia campus with Pastor Don this morning. And so can we just give our pastors a round of applause? Jesus had seven sentiments that are recorded in the Bible of what he said while he was on the cross. And as Pastor Eugene mentioned several weeks ago, We're not going to go through all seven of those, but we're going to give you some of them. And I'm praying that while he's on the cross speaking, that we receive something in our spirits about that. And we can walk away being closer to Jesus Christ and understanding him more. Because how many of you know that as a man speaks, you start to see his character? Think about this. People that you are around, the more they begin to speak, you start to see what's on the inside of them. And Jesus has given us an experience, although it's in a crucial and a moment that very, very tough in his life, very painful in his life, he's speaking words so that we can know more about him. And in our first week, we talked about these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the first week we learned that forgiveness is not determined by other people's response to us, but upon our obedience to God which means that God is the source of forgiveness. It's not the person that's in front of you. It's not the person that offended you 
Because if you have the person that offended you and that's the source of your forgiveness, you probably will not forgive. And many of us struggle with that, right? And I'm saying this from this stage, not to say that you struggle, but I've also struggled in my life with forgiveness. But what we're talking to you about Jesus' words is that get our eyes off of the person and the offense and get our eyes on God because he forgived us for our sins. There's no, not one of us who are good. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God, but God still forgave us, those who have believed, right, of your sins. And so with that, what God is saying, I want to forgive you so I can forgive through you. I want to forgive you so I can forgive through you. That means that we will forgive others who have also caused offense to us. Then the second week was today you will be with me in paradise. And Jesus spoke those words to the man, to the thief on the cross. There were two thieves on each side. But there was one of the thieves who believed in Jesus. And so Jesus spoke those words to him. And the second week we've learned that grace comes to our rescue when we are unable to save ourselves. Which means you can't work your way into heaven. None of us can work our way to salvation. It's only given to us, the free gift of salvation is given to us by the grace of God through those who believe Jesus, right? And that should take some pressure off of us because those of us who are working our ways are trying to work our ways into the kingdom. You'll be spending eternity trying to work and going nowhere. Jesus paid the price on the cross for the guilty, and that's me and you, that through forgiveness we would be acquitted or considered blameless because of his righteousness. And then today we're going to give Jesus' words. Those words are this, words from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you repeat this with me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for those of us who are here today, God. Open our ears to hear. Open our eyes to see. And God, I pray that your word would stretch across each and every man and woman here today, boy and girl here today, that we may have a better understanding of you and we can draw closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, can we give God some praise? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would Jesus even utter these words? Why would God in the flesh, because Jesus was both what? God and man at the same time. Why would he feel forsaken by his father? That's just questions that I had. And I'm sure that's questions that you may also have. And then if he was forsaken, why was he forsaken? And forsaken just mean abandoned or deserted. But as we heard the songs earlier today, and as we also hear some scripture, we hear that my God will never forsake me, right? Will never leave me or forsake me. Why would God say that in scripture, but now Jesus is saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want that just to sit upon you for a little while, and we're going to come back and, and address that. But before we start to answer those questions, I want you to consider this. Roman rulers did not intimidate Jesus. 
Armies didn't frighten him. Even touching lepers didn't scare Jesus. Storms didn't move him. The only thing that terrified Jesus was being out of fellowship with his father. Can you imagine that? In, throughout eternity, God, and the, God, the Son, and the Father were one on the same accord in fellowship or in communion with one another. And now for the first time in history, the first time in creation, that now he's saying God has forsaken him. How long is eternity? Can you answer that question? Forever. And for the first time, he's feeling a way, and those feelings came upon him that he's never felt in all of creation because he wasn't born. Yes, we know that he was born of Mary, but he, even before being born to this earth, he already was a living being. He wasn't created. He wasn't born. He was always here with us. And now for the first time in all of eternity, this moment is at hand. I want us to go to this passage, Mark, the 15th chapter, verses 33 through 34. Can you follow along with me? And this is what it reads. And when the sixth hour, about midday or noon, had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, which is about three o'clock. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Let me pause right there. Now the people who were mocking and ridiculing Jesus at the cross, when he said Eloi, when he said that, they thought he was referencing Elijah. How many times do we just hear a quick phrase of Jesus, a quick mention of Jesus, and then we start to misinterpret him? That's not what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about Elijah coming to save him or rescue him from the cross. But let's look at what this means and say this with me. It means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it goes on to say, deserting me and leaving me helpless and abandoned. Why would Jesus utter those words? Jesus repeated King David's sentiments of Psalm 22. Psalm 22 describes the experience of Jesus on the cross. Jesus wasn't asking the question because he didn't understand what was happening. He knew all along. He asked the question to draw our attention back to Psalm 22 so that we would know of its fulfillment in him. In Psalm 22, David writes this psalm because it's a prophecy of what's going to come to, uh, in the future. The Holy Spirit directs David to write this psalm so that the Holy Spirit wanted us, wanted David to understand what was to come when the Messiah came back to this earth. And I'm speaking in a conservative manner. Jesus fulfilled about 300 or more prophecies while he was on this earth. And this is one of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Let's look at Psalm 22. I'm just going to give you four verses to that. First of all, verse 1. What does it say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isn't that what Jesus said? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Let's go to verse 7. All who see me, read it with me, laugh at me and mock me. Who does that sound like? 
Doesn't that sound like things that were happening to Jesus on the cross? Verse 11, be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Say that again, none to help. And then the last verse I want to give you is verse 16. For like a pack of dogs, they have encompassed me. A company of evildoers has encircled me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Do you see Jesus in this song? Church, today, I'm coming to you because this message is not an easy message to preach. In fact, it's my first time preaching on these words. If you try to go in and, you know, like most pastors, we're going to Google something, right? When you want to know something, don't you Google? But if you go to Google and you're talking about, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It'll be very few texts and very few literature on this. And I believe that's why it's probably not preached a lot in our churches. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to give me guidance and I'm going to listen to him and it's going to be extracted upon you and we're all going to get something out of this message because it's life-giving. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. As Jesus hung on the cross, his listeners heard only part of the whole of what he said. They thought he was calling out to Elijah, but he was really crying out to God the Father. They didn't make the connection that David was prophesying about the Messiah. Their misunderstanding emboldened them to continue to ridicule Jesus. If they would have listened to Jesus without bias or distraction, they may have been convicted to stop ridiculing Jesus and then start following Jesus. I know you guys are very familiar with this passage that man should not live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We've heard that throughout scripture, right? Jesus also said, the words I have spoken to you are full of spirit and life. And this is the irony of Jesus being on the cross and still speaking. While dying on the cross, Jesus spoke life. I'll say that again because I don't think all of us heard that. While he was dying on the cross, his words spoke life to us, and this is where we are today. We're going to get something out of Jesus' words on the cross today that's going to help us grow in our faith. Do you believe that? The people got to witness deity talk to deity, which means the Son of God was talking to the Father of God, and they got to experience that from the Messiah. Wouldn't you want to be there? Now let's examine Jesus' life-giving words to see what he was teaching about. We're going to take that sentence that Jesus said and we're going to break it down because we just said that every word that proceeds out of his mouth is very important and is life-giving. We just said that, right? So let's look at a few, we're going to look at three parts of these, this sentence. The first part is this, my God, my God. What can we learn from Jesus as he uttered those words? You know, many times... When you look at this, Jesus is repeating God's name two times, which means that he's going through some struggles. He is under duress. When Jesus is saying, my God, my God, that means that he is going through some excruciating pain. How many of us have been in pain? Now, what Jesus is saying here, he's not just talking about the physical pain, because a lot of times that's what our minds go to. Jesus is talking about spiritual and emotional pain because his father had deserted him at this time. 
Now, I've gone through pain in my life. And I tell you what, when I had my ACL and MCL surgery, I had those at the same time, uh, and I tried to man up. My wife can tell you, Courtney can tell you this. I tried to man up after a couple of nights and said, man, I don't need this, these painkillers. My, my knee's going to be okay. And so I'm sitting in bed, and I'm trying, y'all, I'm, I'm trying to, acting like I'm all tough and mighty, didn't take my pain medicine for the night. And all of a sudden, that pain in my knee started to throb. And I'm like, man, I don't think I've ever experienced pain like this before. And I'm like, oh, man, what's going on? And all of a sudden, I'm like, I, I jump off and I can't, you know, I can't get up. So I'm stretching towards, you know, my, my desk and I'm trying to reach and trying to get something because that pain was excruciating, right? Have anybody been there where that pain, physical pain was just busting you up? But imagine this, that hasn't been my worst pain. My, my worst pain came emotionally and spiritually because there was a time in my life, there was a time when me and Courtney, we weren't on the same page. There was a time when I was coaching college basketball and other things, getting job promotions and making money and those things were a little bit not a little bit, were more important than my own family that I see sitting in these seats today. And so with that disturbance, with me being out of balance and me not having, being Christ-centered in terms of my thinking and in my heart, it caused some friction and there was a certain point where I thought I was going to lose my precious wife. And I tell you, the pain that I had from that from not being able to be spiritually and emotionally connected to the woman that God had given me, the gift of God that God had given me, that pain was more painful than my knee. There are so many times that emotional pain and spiritual pain causes us to have breakdowns, right? So can you imagine that Jesus, always in union with, you, with, with God the Father, for the first time in history that now God the Father has turned his back on him, can you imagine the pain that Jesus was going through? I want you to understand that pain is a part of our fallen world, right? But look at what Jesus did in this pain, and this is something for us to model. Jesus was subjected to the cruelty of man, but he cried out to his father. He didn't, blame, he didn't blame the people. He consulted with the father because you confide in those that you are intimate with. What's your relationship with God? Everybody in this room has experienced some form of pain. Whether it's somebody close to you, somebody far away from you. And that pain has probably just been in your mind, just being repeated over and over and over again, and it's hard for you to get away. But what is your focus? What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on your pain or are you focusing on your God? Because there are times if you focus on your pain, you will run away from your God. Most times atheists and agnostics, you know why they don't follow Jesus Christ? Because they've been hurt. And when they've been hurt, they run away from God. Or they say there is no God. I want you to repeat this and I want you to just over and over and over again if you're suffering from some pain. Tell yourself this, in my pain, you are still God. Say it with me. In my pain, you are still God. Say it one more time. In my pain, you are still God. As I mentioned before, many people give up on God in their pain. 
Don't focus on your circumstances and allow your circumstances to control you. And, and I'm not just preaching to you and preaching at you. I'm preaching to you and I'm also preaching to myself. Because the Holy Spirit is also convicting my heart while I am here on the stage right now. Don't focus on your pain. Focus on your God who can get you out of your pain. You know, there are some things, I want you to think about this, that you don't understand why God is doing what he's doing, right? Amen. There's a lot of things in my life I didn't understand why God did this to me. But I also understand that he understands me. I know that he loves me. And I also have to say this, when I don't understand you are still God. In my pain, you are God. When I don't understand, you are still God. My circumstances do not determine my God, but in the end, my God will determine my circumstances. And then we're going to move on to that second part of that sentence. Why have you? What's Jesus trying to tell us? Why have you? Have you ever asked yourself when you're going through some stuff, difficult situations in your life, have you ever asked God, God, why am I going through this? Where are you, God? God, you got me here just by myself going through it. Where are you? Has anybody asked that question before? Yes. He's asking that same question to God. Why have you? Although, listen, Jesus already knew the answer, right? He's not asking it because he doesn't know or because he doesn't understand but Jesus, like I mentioned earlier, he was what, 100% God, 100% man. So his humanity is speaking at this moment. Because he repeatedly told his disciples this. He told them, hey, I am going to Jerusalem and I will be killed. Didn't he say that throughout his ministry? And now he's in the point where he's questioning God. And I want our church, our family to understand this. It's okay to question God. Just don't question if there is a God. I don't think... I don't think you heard me in the back. It's okay to question God. Just don't question if there is a God because Abraham and Sarah questioned God, right? Moses questioned God. David questioned God. The prophets, Elijah and Habakkuk, they all questioned God. But in these moments, y'all, that you don't understand and you don't know, God is still working through you. God is still working in you. It doesn't mean that God is so far behind and he's left you. God is still there. How many of you believe that? Yeah. Now, did God answer Jesus right on the spot? He didn't. But just because God is silent doesn't mean that he's absent. I think someone needed to hear that today because you may be the one saying, where are you, God? 
You may be the one who's feeling that God is absent and God is not in your circumstances and God doesn't see you. Some of you may think that I'm inadequate. Why would God even pay attention to me? I'm small. God would never want to do anything with me. But I'm here to tell you that don't believe the lies that you're telling yourself because God sees his children. And it says God answers the prayers of the righteous. You're not going through this life by yourself. God is with you. God loves you. God cares about you. God wants you to experience joy. God doesn't want you to be sad. He doesn't want you to come in church with your shoulders slumped down and your head hung low. God wants you to walk out with the confidence that he's on the side of you and he's going to help you through anything in life. That's the God that we serve. God has seen all your pain, brothers and sisters. He knows if there's been some injustice against you. And you know what? He cries with you. Do you remember when Lazarus died? And the scripture says, Jesus wept. Jesus saw all of those individuals that were with Lazarus, the family and all of that, all the people that came to see him and they know he has died and he's experienced the grief with people. And so he wept. That means that he experienced what they experienced. But then some theologians said not just, he, not just Lazarus and the people there was he, was he was experiencing, but he was experiencing looking to the future about when he died on the cross and what it would do to his followers. He also felt that as well so he wept. So if Jesus felt what they were feeling back then, what about what you're experiencing right now? Do you believe that God is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore? So if he's the same God, why would he come in in the experience of these individuals and be there, but he would exclude you? Don't believe the lies. And then let's move on to the last part of what Jesus said. You have forsaken me. What was Jesus teaching us here? Now, before I get into that, let me just ask a few questions because I have some questions of my own. Why weren't these people who received miracles from Jesus at the cross to see him in his greatest moment of, of pain? Think about all the miracles that Jesus did. Why weren't they there to be with Jesus while he was going through this excruciating pain? Where were the lepers that Jesus healed? Where were they? What about the paralyzed man who got healed in the pool of Bethesda? Where was the woman who got caught in the act of adultery? Because they were about to stone her, the religious leaders, they were about to stone her and Jesus stepped in and said, you who have not sinned cast the foot, the first stone. Where was she? Where was Lazarus? You would think Lazarus of all people. Now, if God raised me from the dead, I, you would think of anybody, Lazarus would be that guy who was standing firm with Jesus and say, Jesus, I got you. Where was he? And then what's mind-blowing, except for John, the beloved, except for him and some of the ladies, where were his disciples? They saw Jesus walk on water. 
They saw him raise people from the dead. They saw him heal. They saw him raise people to life. Where were they? And it goes back to Psalm 22, 11, the verse that I read to you guys that says, there is none to help. Y'all, there was no one there. Think about this. There was no one there to help Jesus, to be there for him. Just him all alone. Now do you see the weight? Now do you understand why he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Are you starting to feel Jesus and the weight of the world on his shoulders? I want you to know that your friends show up when everyone else leaves out. You, you want to know your true friend? When you're going through some stuff and it's messy, that person comes there. But I tell you what, have you guys ever been in a situation like this, and, and don't lie, or you fry, <laughs> where you said this, somebody's approached you about some things that they're going through, and you're like, well, why did that person want to come talk to me? I got enough stuff happening in my life. Don't lie, you fry. You don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to, or don't, don't elbow somebody on the side of you. Have you ever been in a situation where you said, God, why they keep bringing this to me? I got enough of my own. I'm trying to handle my own burdens instead of trying to handle theirs. That's too much weight for me. So you just walk away. Think about Jesus who's bearing the weight of our sins being put on us, Right? All of the weight on his shoulders alone, nobody else to help him because, the father, because God the Father had what? Had forsaken him at that moment temporarily, right? And he did that for me and you. I, I want that just to sink into your minds right now as you're thinking about what Jesus did on the cross and why we come and celebrate Jesus on Resurrection Sunday, not for that day, but for every single day that we breathe life because of what Jesus did. He took on all of that weight. Now, what about for you guys? Have you ever sat and you've done some bad things and that guilt has just come upon your shoulders? Hmm? Or that shame, you've done something in your life and that shame has come upon you. It's your worst moment in life. And do you, can you explain just the shame and the guilt and how you feel in that moment? The weight that comes upon you, despondent, discouraged, tired, fearful, not knowing what to do with that. Now imagine Jesus who took on our sin times a billion. Because it means that he took on every single person in this room. He took on your sin, past, present, and future, and he put it on his shoulders. He carried it for you. Think about the weight that he had and why he was saying, God, why have you forsaken me? Because I have to carry this alone. And he knew that coming to the cross, he knew that when Adam and Eve sinned at the garden, it was already predetermined that he would be in this moment on the cross and he would have to take on our sins in order for us to be forgiven. Imagine what you would feel like if you had to take on the weight of the entire world. Is it getting heavy in here? Why did Jesus feel forsaken? Listen to this. Because for the first time, he felt the pain, fear, guilt, and shame of sin for all mankind, past, present, and future, and what I just said. 
Follow with me to 1 Peter 2, 24. Read with me. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, willingly offering himself on it as on an altar of sacrifice so that we might die to sin, becoming immune from the penalty and power of sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, some translations say stripes, by his wounds, you who believe have been healed. Amen, huh? And then number two, because Jesus had never felt separated from the Father in all eternity. Number three, because for the first time in eternal life, he was facing eternal death. And then four, because the Christ of glory would take hell's best shot. Jesus stood in the way in our place. He was a substitution for us, and he took hell's best shot. Have you ever done that for somebody where you say, no, no, get out of the way. There's a lot of pain. I, I'm going to come in here. I, I got this. I, I, I like pain. Have you ever done that for somebody? Jesus came in because the wages of sin is death, right? So all of us who are sinners, we deserve what? Death. We deserve to be in a place in hell to experience God's wrath. But Jesus said, no, I love you. And God said, no, I love you. So I'm going to send my son to be a substitution for you to take hell's best shot. So why was Jesus forsaken? He was temporarily forsaken so that we could have eternal life with his father. He was forsaken so we can be forgiven. He felt shame so we could experience grace. He felt rejection so we could receive the gift of righteousness. He was beaten so we could be beloved. He was abandoned so we could never be alone. And he felt orphaned so we can cry, Abba, Father. It's all right to give God praise. It's okay. He was separated for us. He was sacrificed for us. He was substituted for us. What, what does all that mean? It means that he did not just die for you. He died in place of you. Who should have been on that tree? All of us. Who was guilty? All of us. The scriptures say, no, not one of us is good. I know you think you're good. I know you say you're good. But none of us are righteous. Believers are only made righteous because of what Jesus has done. Pastor Eugene said this the other day. He said that God looks at us as if he sees his son not because we're good, not because we can do good works. None of us can, none of us are good, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now you see the importance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, why we partake of communion, why we remember, why we preach the gospel, why we disciple, why we love, why we care. Can't you see what Jesus has done on the cross for you and I? The weight of our sins, the guilt, the shame, 
murderers, thieves, liars, stealers, cheaters, even those who just litter on the ground, not small or big, all sin. Because all sin, regardless of what you do, leads to death. But he said, no, God. And God said, no, world. We love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Jesus not only endured the withdrawal of the Father's fellowship but also the actual outpouring of the Father's wrath upon him as a substitute for sinful humanity. He was deprived for a time of the loving presence and the comforting influence of the Heavenly Father. Why did God say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So you would never have to experience eternal separation from God. Amen. Yes, he was forsaken so we could be forgiven and never be forgotten or forsaken. That's why we can sing the song. You will never leave me or forsake me because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because God temporarily had to forsake his son so that we would never be forsaken or alone. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me when I don't deserve to be loved. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. And I didn't deserve one minute of your blood, but you did it because you love me so much. That's why we're here. That's why we're here together gathering, assembling, because of the love that Jesus has for us. I didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose me. We can't even be that arrogant and say, oh, well, I, ch I chose him. I came, I did this. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit was working on the inside or I would correct that, not on the inside of you, because some of us, no, all of us, we weren't saved first. We weren't saved. So the Holy Spirit was working in our lives through other people and guiding us and leading us and teaching us about the words of Jesus. And all of a sudden, because of the Holy Spirit, we accepted Jesus as our Savior, and now we're saved. And then the Holy Spirit, what, comes on the inside of us and starts leading us and starts guiding us and starts comforting us. That's Christianity, y'all. And because of what Jesus did for us, we want to go tell other people out there because Jesus has been so good to us. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. And because of that, we want to tell somebody because we don't want people to experience God's wrath. I'm trying. I pray that you guys with this message that the Holy Spirit is just working on you right now. And if you believe this message, I want you to give God your best praise. You can stand up. You can clap your hands. I, it, no, I'm serious. If, if you know that and you see that Jesus bore our sins, I, I want some individuals in our congregation to get excited about our God. Maybe see it.
with all eyes closed and every head bowed. I believe that the Holy Spirit has been ministering to somebody even before you even came here. And now that the words of God, you've heard that and you have an understanding of it. You want more of Jesus. You want Jesus. Jesus told Nicodemus, a religious man, he said, you can't be, you can't enter or see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. You can't experience the kingdom of heaven because if the spirit is not in you, your eyes can't even see what God has for you. And when the spirit comes on the inside of you, you're going to get fresh new revelation on how to live your life and how to treat people and how just to be a man or woman of God. 1st just admit that you're a sinner. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then B, believe that Jesus became the sin bearer of your sins. We just preached on that. He bore our sins. He took it upon his shoulders. And then C, confess that he's your Lord and Savior, which means that I put my life under submission of Jesus Christ. And whatever he loves, I love. Whatever he hates, I hate. He's my boss. I'm going to follow Jesus. And if that's you, if you want Jesus, if you want more of Jesus, you want Jesus. Nobody's watching but me. Just raise your hand. Thank you. All throughout this room, thank you. Thank you. And so just repeat this prayer with us. We know that the prayer doesn't save you. The prayer is just a confession. The Holy Spirit's already been working in you, right? He's already been drawing you to Christ. Now you're drawing near to him, and he will draw near to you because of what the Holy Spirit has done in your life. Let's repeat this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I repent. I turn from sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give God some praise?